0: The breath in our lungs that causes us to pour out our praise. God, I think so many times of that, and I think about how just our bones and in reality ache and cry out for our maker, for our savior, for our redeemer, for Jesus. And God, I pray today that you would speak to us. I pray that you would revolutionize our minds and our thoughts, and that we would think about marriage the way you think about marriage, that we would look at the benefit and the the reality of what you want to offer, that you want us to succeed, that you are for us, you are not against us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged that we would understand the meaning and the hope that you have behind marriage. And that with that, we can put it into practice in our own lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said... Amen. Awesome. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you. You can have a seat. Uh, Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screen uh, for you. You can grab the Bible in front of you. I'll warn you, it's King James. We're going to get some new ones at some point. Matter of fact, uh, for those of you who are members, uh, we're going to look towards uh, here in the near future doing that. So if you are interested in being part of buying us new Bibles... Uh, We're going to encourage you with that. We want to get some, I don't want to make it sound bad, we want to get some updated ones um, that, uh, well, it's going to sound bad, that people can understand sometimes King James just gets a little wordy for most people. But I want to think about this. I want you to think about wedding vows. And whether you are married or have been married or, or are going to get married in the future, usually there's, uh, in a wedding, there's this thing called the vow portion of the ceremony where we say these vows. As a matter of fact, in, in today's world or in a lot of the weddings I've done in the last few years, uh, husbands and wives or at the time, fiancés and tend to want to write their own vows. But if you were to go to an old school traditional marriage, or when I meet with people and say, do you want traditional vows? Some of them will say yes. If you remember the vow portion uh, of the wedding, and maybe this was you, it went something like this. I, state your name, state your name. No, I'm just joking. I, I, Brian, take you, Sarah, to be my lawfully wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for sicker or for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part, right? Right, and I want you to think about this because as we jump into this, we're continuing our numbered series. We, we, We talked about Psalm 90. Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And what I want you to understand is that I believe that this wholeheartedly plays out in the lives that we have and in the marriages that we may have currently or are going to have in the future. Because God wants you to succeed. Here's here's the struggle. Here's the difficulty as a pastor, as a person who's been around marriages and seen marriages fail and things like that is nobody ever walks into a marriage thinking, I hope it fails. I haven't met a single person who goes, you know what? You know, I'm halfway committed to you, but in about five years, I'm hoping this thing's over. Like I've never said premarital counseling and had them go, you know what? In five years, I'm gonna absolutely hate your guts and you're gonna take me for everything I got because you're gonna have all the child support. I've never had anybody go, that's what I'm looking for. I mean, I've never seen it. As a matter of fact, I've seen the baggage and the hurt. I've seen the hate and the anger. I've seen the vengeance and the lack of forgiveness and grace. And so what I want to do today is really jump into and look about what it means to have a marriage that matters. See, I believe wholeheartedly that till death do us part does not mean or does not hold up, or the question would be for some, does that mean natural causes? Or does that also include accidental causes? Like for some of you, maybe you wanna kill your husband or maybe you wanna kill your wife just because they annoy you or things like that. I want you to understand and I want all of us to experience what it means to have a healthy marriage, what it means to have a marriage that is growing and, 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 and really in reality thriving. And so if you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 13, it's literally one verse. One verse, and we're going to unpack this in a way that I hope makes sense, and you can apply very simply. Listen to what he says. Marriage should be what? Honored, all right? So marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Now, we're gonna jump into that aspect here in just a little bit, but I want you to think about what it means when we talk about till death do us part, what it means to honor in marriage. See, there was a man wandering around a field thinking about how good and great his life was because his wife had been to him and how, or how good his wife had been to him as well and how great and fortunate he was to have her. And so he asked God, God, Why did you make my wife so kind-hearted? And the Lord responded, so you could love her, my son. And he said, well, why'd you make her so good-looking? So you can love her. And he's like, wow, this is great. How or why did you make her such a great cook? So you would love her, my son. And then the man thought about it, and he says, well, then I don't mean to seem ungrateful, but why did you make her so stupid? And she said, or he said, so she would love you, my son. (laughs) <laughs> because the reality is, and I'll, I just speak for this, the truth of the matter comes in this is that we don't oftentimes realize what we got until maybe it's missing or maybe we begin to take advantage of or, or take for granted the very person that God has put in our heart and that God wants to give you. As a matter of fact, as a youth pastor for 12 years, I dealt with teenagers over and over and over again who thought their life was coming to an end because they just broke up with somebody who in reality, in two years, after they graduated wouldn't even really have a relationship with anyways. You know, I look back at my high school things and I remember the Garth Brooks prayer. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers because as a junior in high school, I was like, God, if you just let me date this girl, my life is gonna be better. And I went to my 20-year high school reunion. And I'm like, God, thank you for not letting me date her. <laughs> oh my gosh, what happened? <laughs> like, it's just one of those things. And it's not just looks, it was personality. It was the way the person acted. It was the way they treated other people. All of a sudden I went, man, I am glad that God did not answer my prayer as a 17-year-old idiot. And that I held out and waited. See, Valentine's Day is coming up. And man, I'm gonna warn you right now, it's five days away. Friday is actually Valentine's Day. So I'm letting you know ahead of time. All right? I'm letting you know ahead of time. I'm giving you the, the, the preemptive strike before Thursday or even Friday morning when you're in Target trying to pick out a card, and there's no cards left because everybody else waited till the last second too, all right? So you got five days to get something together. And I'll, I'm just going to let you know, like my wife, I look at, the, at that, that, that story we just told about why did you make her so stupid so she would love me, and I think, oh man, I got so blessed. Because I remember our first Valentine's together, My wife looked at me and said, if you spend that much money on flowers, I'll kill you. Just give me a gift card to somewhere and I'll go buy them. (laughs) I'll spend that money that you're wasting on flowers. And so I just wanna let you know this, that I believe wholeheartedly that God is for your marriage, that God wants you to succeed, that God wants you to have every benefit. And I believe wholeheartedly this, that in some way, shape or form, that marriage and the relationships have fallen into a realm of disrespect or even dishonor rather than honor. I believe that the current challenges that our teenagers and people face in developing relationships with potential mates for marriage is one of the greatest that they've ever faced before. As a matter of fact, if you're a single person, I would no doubt in some way, shape, or form, you would think, how am I ever going to meet this one that God has for me or this person that God has set aside for me? And what I want you to understand is this, that oftentimes we force the matter by trying to take into our hands the very reason or, or, or forcing people into the situation or forcing ourselves into the situation, rather than trusting that God will provide somebody who is right for me. Over and over and over again, like I said, 12 years as a youth pastor, I dealt with teenagers and realized very quickly that so oftentimes we strive to gain acceptance of another person of the opposite sex just so, listen to me, so that they will fill that need or that void that we think is missing When that void that is missing in reality just needs to be first and foremost filled by God. You know, I've said this before and I say it again. In the movie Jerry Maguire, for those of you who are young, you've never seen it. You don't even know what I'm talking about. For those of you who are old, in Jerry Maguire, there's a scene where he says, you complete me. And what I want you to understand today is this, that no one person will ever complete you. You are complete in and of yourself in Christ Jesus first and foremost. And as a result, because of your relationship with Jesus, now you have two completely whole people who are not, listen to me, not perfect, but are working together to accomplish the same goal, and that is to bring honor and glory to God through my marriage relationship. If you approach that as a teenager, if you approach it as a single person, and even if you approach it today as a married individual, you're gonna understand that your priorities and expectations will be completely different. That your marriage is gonna look different. And here's what I would venture to say, that your marriage as a result will be different and will be the most beneficial and loving thing you will ever experience. Because I believe that God's gift to you as a husband or a wife is a spouse who will help you, who will encourage you, who will walk through life with you, and who will point you to Jesus when you fail. Sometimes with a kick in the butt, right? (laughs) Okay, so here's the big point. Here's the kicker. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this, that the health of your marriage tomorrow will be determined by the decisions you make today. Now, I stole that quote. It's Andy Stanley quote, but I thought it fit perfect because I was trying to come up with my key statement. But I want you to think about this. All of us want healthy marriages. All of us desire to have a healthy relationship with our spouse. But I want you to think about this, whether you're dating, not dating, potentially dating in the future, or a person who's not married, but potentially will be in the future, that the health of your marriage Tomorrow will be determined by the decisions that you make today. I see it over and over and over again, that the health of your relationships is based upon the decisions you make. Even the health of your relationship with the kids, with your kids, are based upon the decisions you make day in and day out. So if you remember anything else, remember that. The health of your marriage tomorrow will be determined by the decisions you make today. So here's the question. How do we, how do I have a healthy marriage? And so I'm going to unpack this very simply from chapter 13, verse 4 in Hebrews, all right? Number one is this. How do we have a healthy marriage? I believe wholeheartedly, based upon what we see here, that I have to honor marriage. I have to honor marriage. In other words, I look at marriage in a different light. I don't look at it from a standpoint of the world. As a matter of fact, I, I, I say this cautiously, but at the same time I think about this, when I was in the Navy, all right, guys would get married just to get off the ship. And everybody who was in the Navy was like, yep, I know what you're talking about. In other words, I was assigned to a ship. And when we were in port, I wasn't given, as a single guy, I wasn't given the cost of living allowance and stuff to live off the ship. I was covered by living on the ship. Like, they took care of that. But if I got married, guess what I got? Money, 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 money. And so I knew guys who would literally say, you know what? I I dated this girl. We're going to get married. We'll probably be married for a couple years, and we're going to get a divorce. And I'm sitting here going, what? (laughs) Like, you're creating more problems than you are answers, You're making a decision on a relationship based on money to get off the ship and live out in town rather than living on a ship. And so what I want you to think about is when we honor marriage, and listen to this, the word honor literally means this. If if I was to say you should honor your wife or honor your husband, it's this idea that you hold high value of something. So when we talk about marriage and we talk about this, it's this idea to appreciate or to cherish and to recognize it as a priceless treasure. That it's a treasure you want to hold on to. That it's something of value and something of great worth. See, a healthy marriage and a healthy life with your spouse begins with the decisions you make now. How do I begin to honor marriage? How do I honor a marriage that's not even taken place yet? How do I honor my marriage when I don't even know my spouse? I'm, I'm 15, 16 years old. You're talking about stuff that I have no clue. Matter of fact, as a youth pastor, I did one of these things that youth pastors kind of tend to do. Um, my wife's going to, she's laughing. So I had all the kids, literally, no joke, stand up on their chair. They're standing up on their chair. We're doing this uh, sermon series on dating. And I started having them stomp their feet. And I said, okay, when we get to a certain point, I'm going to yell out something. and I want you to repeat after me. And the kids are like, Okay. So they're stomping their feet, and I said, great sex starts now. And they were like, what? I'm like, no, 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 you got to do this. And they're like, okay. So we got to doing it again, and I held them, great sex starts now. And all of a sudden, parents are like, what the heck is he teaching in there? These are teenagers. And I said, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, oh, man, that means he's telling us we can go and do stuff now. No. You want to have a great? sex relationship with your spouse, then it starts by making decisions right now to say I'm not gonna chase after anybody else. That I'm gonna wait to pursue my wife. Why? Because I want that special relationship only with her. And I remember, you know what my kids remember? (laughs) Of all the things they remember. Do you remember when you had to stand on the chair stomping our feet and yell that out? I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. I mean, parents are like, what the heck are you teaching down there? Honoring marriage is something that we all have to begin to understand, that a healthy marriage and a healthy life with my spouse begins with the decisions I make now to honor the marriage that I will have in the future. See, there's this old quote or this old adage, they say that a man is incomplete until he's married, when the reality is that when he's married, he's really finished. (laughs) That's a joke. (laughs) See, the reason we honor marriage is because God designed it. Because God initiated it, because He wants to lead you and your wife and your husband into a future that is prosperous, that is hopeful, that is helpful. As a matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 18 says this He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Now, I've been around a lot of people who are like, well, the old ball and chain, you know, that's not favor. Honoring marriage means I begin to honor the idea of what God is trying to create inside of me, that what God wants to show me. And the beauty of marriage is this. If you oftentimes think about this, if you read scripture, the idea of marriage is to signify and show the beauty of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, and his love for the church, an unconditional, forgiving, grace-filled love, where he says the two become one and together they accomplish God's greater purpose. And here's the beauty of it, that when you, a husband and a wife, come together and you are bound in the bonds of marriage, together in that, that you two become one and you become a greater strength together because what God brought together, let no man separate. So when we're strengthened by that, we can honor marriage. We can understand that marriage is something completely different than what even the world is setting up. See, the point of marriage is not just to bring you happiness, but I also want you to know this, that the point of marriage is not just for procreation. So many people grew up in the church with this idea that, oh, it's just about, having babies and making babies. It's all about just bringing you happiness. All of those things are benefits, but I want you to understand the point of marriage is two people moving in the same direction, coming together because they love each other, and the work that God does in their marriage reflects the love that God has for them and for his bride, the church. That's the beauty of honoring marriage. And so here's what I wanna give you. I wanna give you two quick things that I believe will help you honor marriage, okay? Okay. Two quick things. Number one, cherish your spouse. Cherish your spouse. Successful marriages are made of two people who intentionally keep an account of the things they value about each other. Positives, not negatives. Don't focus on the negative things. Now listen, I'm a person who tends to lean pessimistically. My wife will tell you that. I look for the negative thing. I look for the way, I'm like, you know, just the way I am. I don't know why. It drives me nuts sometimes. I'm critical. I'm a person who's very critical. I look at things and I start pointing out all the things that are wrong. If you enter marriage with that kind of a personality or that kind of a temperament, guess what ends up happening? Because a lot of people go, oh, we're going to be married. Everything's going to be great. No. No. No, but you become critical of everything. You're like, you do this. You do that. You do this wrong. You don't do it like me. I don't What's that create? Conflict. But listen, when I cherish my wife, or I cherish my husband, I cherish the spouse I have, I realize that that person is a gift from God, that they're not perfect. They're gonna have things that are flaws and inconsistencies. They're not gonna always think and do things the way I wanna do it. But when I cherish my spouse, I begin to recognize that we are each created in God's image and we are therefore people who have infinite value and infinite worth. Cherish your spouse. And then number two, or under that, point kind of two, under honoring your marriage, I want you to understand this, that you need to nourish your marriage. You need to give it nourishment. You know, we can go back and we can think about those, those, those videos or those pictures of kids who are malnourished. And there's a reason why they're malnourished. And I believe that there are a lot of marriages that are malnourished. We avoid each other. We spend as little time together. We have conflict. We push. We, we rub. We don't talk. We don't forgive. We don't give grace. We don't pray together, let alone even maybe read the Bible together. We don't do any of those things. And so as a result, our marriage becomes malnourished. Our marriage isn't nourished with the, 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 the energy and the vitamins and the nutrients it needs to grow. Rather, it's sucked dry because of the malnutrition that we put in. You need to nourish Your marriage, feed it, pour into it, compliment each other, don't tear each other down. (laughs) Remember, uh, yeah, no, I'm just gonna leave it at that. I've done enough, uh, I've done enough things to tear down my marriage, but I know when I first got married, it was like, you would make little statements and there are things you say and you're like, oh no. Can I lasso those words and pull them back? Because I'm pretty sure I just, (laughs) I just dug at least one shovel full of dirt out of my grave, for my grave, all right? Nourishing your marriage literally means that I am shoring up my spouse, that I am encouraging them for their strengths and supplementing his or her weaknesses and encouraging one. another. a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter three, verse 13 says, encourage one another daily as long as you live, as long as it's called today. It's easy to become negative, but I want to encourage you to be positive. Nourish your marriage. There's a pastor down in Springfield a long time ago. He was speaking, and I loved his adage. A lot of times we look at the other side of the fence, and we look at the grass is greener. We're like, oh, man, the grass is greener. That's great. Well, the reality is it may be the fact that they just watered their grass, number one, or number two, it could be the fact that the septic tank is leaking. Which one is it? And you don't know. What may look green to you may be in reality contamination because of sewage that's leaking out underneath or it could just be the fact that the person who is in that marriage is nourishing their marriage and their relationship. So don't jump ship, rather nourish your relationship. So I want to encourage you to do that. Honoring marriage is something that is a great joy and a great encouragement. And so he says, marriage should be honored. And I want you to think about this by all. That means as a parent, when my kids are getting ready to marry, that I have to honor their, guess what? Marriage. Now, listen to me, kids, or those who are potentially going to be getting married, you have to understand that there are standards that God has set up so that you don't run into a headlong problem that's going to be a difficulty for the rest of your life. And so we're going to talk about that here in just a second. I want you to think about this. So number one, we said, how do we have a healthy marriage? We honor marriage. Number two, how do we have a married or a healthy marriage? You have to enjoy Married life, listen to what he says. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept what? Pure. Enjoying a married life or the married life comes with standards, it comes with an expectation. It comes with a hope and a desire, and there's a reason why this hope and desire comes out. And so when I talk about enjoying married life, I want to give you three things under that that I believe most of us deal with and struggle with, all right? So when I talk about enjoying married life, I want you to understand this, that you can't lust or don't let lust drive you. When I strive and or I let lust drive me in my marriage relationship, you're always going to look at the grass is greener on the other side and you're going to realize real quick that it literally is the septic tank leaking. Because when you choose to cheat on a spouse or when you choose to go the direction that God never wants you, you begin to let lust drive you in everything. And listen, that is setting yourself up for failure. You will never have a successful marriage when you let lust drive you. Matter of fact, I'll unpack that just a little bit further as I think about this. If you have to give up or give sex to someone to marry you, then your marriage is based on a sexual thing. It's a physical thing only. That's not an unconditional love. That's not a biblical love. And I'm just gonna tell you this, it will fail. And on top of that, as I think about just a couple weeks ago going to the restoration house dinner and then on top of that knowing that, and I heard the statistic again this week, that 68% of pastors deal with pornography addiction? That's just pastors. Did you know that the porn industry right now makes more money than the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball and MLS soccer combined? Did you know, (laughs) I I had to ask this last night, I asked my wife, There are easier ways to access pornography than ever before. When I was growing up, you had to get a magazine. You had to either find it or steal it. And now all you got to do is have a phone. And so listen to me, pornography is huge. And here's what we have to begin to understand. If you want to enjoy your married life, pornography will never allow you to enjoy it. And here's why because you begin to put unbiblical and unhealthy expectations upon your spouse. You begin to treat her like she's a sex object rather than an individual created unique by God. You begin to look at women in a very drastically different way. And when you look at women that way, they begin to become an article that you own rather than a person that is meant to be loved. And I'm just telling you that when lust drives you, you're setting yourself up for failure. Matter of fact, I would even say this. i not go so far as to say this. There is a great uh, group of people who have reached out who are targeting those who suffer with pornography, and the, the pornography addictions and things like that. If you want more information about it, you can talk to me. You can go to triplexchurch.com now before y'all freak out all right? That is, it's not a pornographic church, all right? It is people who have set out to reach people who are stuck in the addiction of pornography. And you can get the help you need. We have a great opportunity right here in our church. If you are dealing with that kind of addiction, we can point you to a counselor who can help you through that. Those are things that everybody faces. Those are things that everybody's gonna deal with. Matter of fact, I read an article not too long. I get some crazy articles that pop up, but it was the idea that if you use pornography in your marriage, your marriage would be stronger. At which point I was like, whatever. It's a destructive end to your marriage. And here's what I want you to understand. Listen, don't hide it. Come clean with it. Get it out. Get help. We want to help you through that situation. We want to help you through that struggle. We're not so blind to say that it doesn't exist because if it exists, 68% of all pastors deal with it. It does exist and you have to learn to fight it and fight it without being fair. You got to quit being fair. When you fight Satan, you don't fight fair, you fight to win. So Number one, how do I enjoy married life? Or I need to enjoy married life. Number one, I don't let the lust drive me. Number two, I wanna say this. If I wanna enjoy married life, then I have to marry equally. Listen, this is the struggle and I know what everybody's gonna say and I know the ideas that everybody talks about. But when I talk about marrying equally, the Bible is very clear. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, he says this. Don't be unequally yoked. Now, I believe that has more to do than just marriage. I think it has everything to do with business partnerships and things like that that you develop. But don't be unequally oaked means this, that when I choose to marry somebody who's not of like faith, who is not an evangelical believer, who does not put their faith and trust in Jesus, I want you to understand. It's what we called missionary dating as a, as a, as a, as a youth pastor. But what ends up 90% of the times happening is this idea that, oh, I'll change him. And in reality, it becomes more problems. It becomes a problem where he may not want you to go to church. It becomes a problem where she may not like you or respect you. I've dealt with it on both ends on both spectrums. And so what we have to begin to understand, if we want to enjoy married life, please hear me out. I want you to enjoy married life. God wants you to enjoy married life. But don't be unequally yoked. Now, there's some text to this. If you're already married... Guess what the Bible says? Stay married. Stay married. Serve them with great gladness and with great joy. That in what you do, they may see your good deeds and they may turn to Jesus. And so those are the things. Now, there's a number of things that we can talk about. I'm not this guy. I want you to understand that I believe wholeheartedly that God wants you to succeed in everything that you do. And it's going to be hard to reflect Christ in your marriage when you have vastly different beliefs. You may be saying, hey, I want my kid to go on a mission trip. Nope, don't want him to go. Those are things you begin to face. So marry equally. If you're not married, plan on marrying equally. And then here's here's the fun part. If I want to enjoy married life, here's the thing that everybody likes to talk about and everybody thinks that the church shouldn't. Enjoy the fruit. There are all kinds of texts throughout Scripture that talk about enjoying the fruit of a Christ-honoring marriage. That means... If you were to flip to Proverbs chapter five, which I'm gonna read Proverbs chapter five just so you can hear it and understand it and kind of get encouraged by it, I hope. But I want you to see Proverbs chapter five and listen, listen to what the wisdom of the Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter five, starting in verse 15. Now, I'm, this is not talking about well water, all right? Or the septic tank. Proverbs chapter five, starting in verse 15 says this. Drink water from your own cistern running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets or your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. Now listen, this is the part every guy likes and every girl's like, oh my gosh. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. Sorry, the 15-year-old boy in me just wants to go, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> All right. But it it Listen again. May her breast satisfy you always, and may you ever be, listen, captivated by her love. Enjoying the fruit of a marriage relationship is the very thing that God wants you to do. Remember, it's not just about procreation. And it's not just about getting a, a, a contract, but rather a covenant together. And God wants you, and he, he sets this up. As a matter of fact, you can read the book of Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs. matter of fact, if you were to grow up in Hebrew culture back then, Song of Songs wasn't even allowed to be read by kids who had not hit their bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah because it was considered in some way, shape, or form kind of pornographic material. Because we always look at Song of Solomon, and we're like, oh, hey, look, that's kind of cool. His banner over his me is love. And it's like, yeah, you read chapter four? How about chapter five? The beauty of this is this, that I get to enjoy the fruit of a marriage relationship with my wife or with my husband because that's what God has called us to do. And listen to what he says. He says, why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord and he examines all his paths. You and I are given the chance to enjoy the relationship with my spouse, and we get to enjoy the fruit, so I get to enjoy married life. But when I do something outside the bounds of marriage, I begin to walk down a road that I should have never enjoyed in the first place or never gone down in the first place. A matter of fact, As we jump back, and I just want you to think about this, when you think about lust driving you and then trying to enjoy the fruit outside of those bounds, I want you to think about this, that lust in reality is just a God-given desire that has completely haywired itself. Because when I lust after somebody else and I take part in a sexual relationship outside of marriage, now I'm just letting the lust drive me. And then everything's gonna be built upon that. So, enjoy married life, enjoy the fruit. God's plan from the beginning was for married couples to enjoy each other, even in sex. The very word that most people are like, oh, I can't believe you said that. Enjoying married life is more than just paying bills together and owning a house, there is so much to be enjoyed together. Walking in obedience to what God has called you to do. Living a relationship that builds each other up and encourages each other. Walking through difficulties and struggles and holding each other uh, up during those times. See, the problem, I believe, has really become that we have defiled the sex act with worldly lust, passions, and desires rather than what God set up. And number three. How do we have a healthy marriage? We talk about honoring marriage. We talk about enjoying the married life. Number three is this. I believe wholeheartedly that we have to prioritize your marriage. For many of us, the priority of marriage oftentimes takes the back seat to work. It may take the back seat to kids. It may take the backseat to whatever else it is that in your life that it may lead to. And here's, here's the thing. I believe wholeheartedly in working hard. But if your marriage takes the backseat to working hard, guess what is really on the throne of your life? Job or money, one of those two. And usually you'll make a decision based upon the job or the money instead of looking and going, hey, what's best for my marriage? As a believer, one of the things that you have to understand or as a person who follows Jesus, you have to understand is this that when God created man, Adam and Eve, at the start, God created them first and foremost. Guess what? Before he ever created the church, what did he create? The family, the marriage, the relationship. Now listen, here's where the rubber meets the road, though. Most people will go, well, if that's the case, then I don't need the church. I just need my marriage. When the reality is the marriage, remember, is the coming together of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, and his bride, the church, and it is reflecting the love of God to a lost and dying world. And likewise, your marriage should do the same thing, that it reflects the love of Jesus and his church to a lost and dying world. So I have to prioritize my marriage. And here's what I want to do. I want to give you three more things to keep in mind. When I prioritize my marriage, I wanna keep the lifelong commitment. Remember that till death do us part? Okay, the till death do us part is not based upon an accident. It's based upon natural circumstances, all right? So enjoy a lifelong commitment to each other. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew chapter six. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you treasure your wife, if you value and treasure and respect your husband, guess what? That's where your heart will be. When Jesus is on the throne of your heart, then the love that you have for Jesus will spill over to the love you have for your wife, for your kids, and for everybody else. But when my treasure is in everything else or something else, then I'm gonna miss out on the lifelong commitment. So I prioritize my marriage. Number two, prioritize dating your spouse. This is one of those things we, we try and keep in mind. Sometimes it just gets crazy and chaotic. A date doesn't have to be just going out and spending a bunch of money. You gotta date your spouse. Like there's times, we're so busy, there's times where I've literally, and I, this is gonna sound bad. Yeah, it's gonna sound really bad. I've gone to Sam's Club and I have bought the sushi at Sam's Club and we've come home and ate it around the, the lunch table just because we had time for lunch. And everybody's like, sushi at Sam's? It's not bad. I mean, it could be worse. I could get the sushi at Quick Trip, but I mean, like, (laughs) sorry. I'm just, those are little things, and it's not much. I mean, we get so busy and chaotic. I'm like, I'll text her, hey, I'm picking up sushi at Sam's. I told her one day, I'm picking up sushi. She goes, Don't, I'm not hungry for that. I'm already here. This, this didn't go good. I should have just got it and went home, all right? But I have to prioritize dating my spouse. Make time to get away. And here's the beauty. We got enough young couples here that if we partner together and work together, there's gonna be times where maybe we just say, hey, bring the kids over to such and such house. They're gonna watch all the kids. It's gonna be absolute chaos. You're gonna need a date the next week, all right? But you can work together through this and connect with relationships with people and say, hey, will you watch my kids? And we'll watch your kids next week and you can go out and have a date. Prioritize dating your spouse. If you want to prioritize your marriage, prioritize dating your spouse. And the last thing, I believe wholeheartedly, if I want to prioritize my marriage, I connect to a nurturing community. Connect to a nurturing community. I believe wholeheartedly that in order for my marriage to flourish, to excel, and to succeed, that my wife needs more relationships than just me. (laughs) Thank you all my flaws and imperfections, she's got to vent to somebody. She's got to let them know when I say something stupid, because that happens quite often. (laughs) All right. She's got to have a person or people to go to and to connect with and be a part of a nurturing community. She's going to face struggles and difficulties that me as a husband, because I know how husbands work, you're just going to be the guy who's like, I'm just going to fix it. Well, she doesn't want you to fix it, which drives me nuts. And it drives every other man nuts because he's like, I just want to help. You're not helping, you're not listening. Now I'm in the doghouse. <laughs> Y'all pray for me because I got to go home. <laughs> All right, but I, I want to encourage you with this, that you have to connect to community. And I believe wholeheartedly, This, listen to me on this part. One of the greatest ways you can do that is to connect to a local body of believers where women can spend some time with women and do women things And the man can be like, yes, I can watch TV with no distractions, unless you got kids. Connecting to a nurturing community is huge. And guys, I want to encourage you with this as well, because we tend to like do things alone. And the problem is that when you face the struggles, when you face the marriage difficulties, when you face the conflict and the... The anxiety, and maybe you feel like you're not living up to your end of the bargain. Maybe you don't feel your value and worth. You need other men who you can rally around, or who can rally around you and encourage you. You know, I thought about this as this week went on. By the way, I'll just say congratulations to you, uh, the Chiefs and the Chiefs fans here. If you were here last week, you know we we got yeah, yeah. But I want you to think about this as we wrap up, and I want to wrap up with this, Travis Kelsey was known for making this quote. You got to fight for your right to party, but I want you to think about it in this way and in this light. You have to fight for your right to enjoy a marriage relationship that God wanted you to enjoy in the first place. Because the decisions you make now will determine the success in the future of your marriage. So if you're married, guess what? The decisions you begin to make now begin to put the proper steps in place so that you can succeed in the future. If you're divorced, guess what? That's okay. The decisions you make now will set you up to succeed in the future. Love God first and foremost with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. God wants you to succeed, we want you to succeed. That's the beauty of how the Bible plays out in honoring marriage because I believe wholeheartedly that marriage honoring is this idea that God wants you to succeed till death do you part. Let's pray. God, I know that there are some who come with heavy hearts, with struggles, with broken marriages, broken relationships, and it's not easy to deal with. And God, right now, I pray that you would just comfort them That they would understand that there is certain things that they're just going to walk through and deal with that aren't going to be the best thing right now. But at the same time, God, you are working on them. You are working with them. You want to encourage them and build them up. And God, I pray that you'd wrap your arms around them. Lord, I know that there are those here that aren't married, that have got marriage off way in the future, maybe even by age and things like that. Or maybe they just don't have anybody yet. God, I pray that they would prioritize their marriage for the future by making wise decisions now and choosing to wait and waiting upon what you bring out and you give to them. God, that we would honor the marriage bed, that we would keep it pure. And Lord, I pray for the marriages that are here today. God, I pray that if they need special prayer that they would come forward. I would love to pray with them, but God, I pray most of all that together they could pray as a couple, that they would seek you out, that they would honor you in everything they do, that you would, maybe, maybe it's on the last straw, maybe there are just some difficulties they're dealing with, that you would bring them together and unite them. Because we know that two who are on the same page, working in the same direction, together with you, walking in obedience to you, that we know that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. God, thank you for marriage. Thank you for the joy and the beauty of it. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.